0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Psalms chapter 34. I'm going to begin reading um, in Psalms 34, but I'm going to start. I have this little subtopic here in in my Bible, and you may have it too. And it says this, a Psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. And then verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall shall hear of it and be glad. Verse 3, oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And I'm going to stop there. I want to talk to you for a few moments on this subject. Notice in that little subtitle, it says, When David ran from Abimelech, he pretended madness. I want to talk to you about magnifying in the midst of your madness. Magnifying in the midst of your madness. Right in the middle of struggle, right in the middle of hardship, Right in the middle of adversity, trying times, right in the middle of seemingly insurmountable problems, uh, hardships and struggles. Despite how overwhelming things may feel and seem to be. Despite how hard you may be in here this room, in this room this morning. And you may be in one of the toughest seasons of your life. And some of you may be in the greatest season of your life. But this message goes for both and you'll see. But one of the things that I want to encourage you this morning and you'll see in this text and in this story, the importance that no matter what type of madness you find yourself in, what you cannot do is cease to magnify God. Amen. Like many of the Psalms, um, um, this particular Psalms in Psalms 34 has its roots grounded in, in a historical occasion. And it goes back to 1 Samuel chapters 21 and 22 where the little subtopic talked about how David pretended madness in, um, before King Achash and his men in the city of Gath. But before I get there, actually this madness, this craziness, this, this difficult time that David's life and David's life did not start here. Actually, this is probably, um, it, this, is from, uh, this is an extension Of the initial place that all the madness began to take place in his life. What are you talking about? The first place that David really began to, that that really set him on this trajectory of this course of madness, it began in the house of Saul. It began when David became a servant of Saul and became his commander and became one that um, Saul actually looked to in great times of need and difficulty. You know, the Bible said that it was David. That came down to the Philistine battle when all the armies of Israel had been intimidated and had drawn back and had no, no, no type of fight in them to face Goliath. We know it was David that God had raised up at that time a little shepherd boy who would stand strong with, with a rag and a rock and take down this great giant that had divided divide the armies of Israel, the Bible said, for 40 days. And it was in that moment the scripture says that this young shepherd boy, this little guy that was gifted and a talented and anointed by God, he began to get great accolades. He began to get great recognition. And, 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 and we would say he blew up in these days and time. You know, he became very popular with a strong reputation. And, and there was a song that was tagged to his success. And it said this, Saul slaying his thousands... But David, his ten thousands. This was the tune that came off the lips of many during that time. And not only did it come off the lips of people, but it came into the ears of Saul, the scripture said. And in that moment, the Bible said that it did something to Saul. The Bible said that he began to eye David from that day forward, or he began to envy David from that day forward. And not only did he begin to envy him or eye him, that envy turned into attacks upon David. The Bible said that there were times that that when when an evil spirit would come upon Saul, it was David that would play his heart to console him. It was David that was willing to go out and fight any time that Saul asked him to. He had a heart to serve him, he was loyal, he was committed. But the Bible said that 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 mindset or that that envy in the heart of Saul. The one who, who, who was actually for him because of en- envy, he saw him as one being against him. Notice the eye of envy. It can blind you. It can change your perspective about people. You'll begin to think that, that, that people who are really for you are actually against you. Did you see that? David was for Saul. He he loved him. He wasn't his enemy. He wanted to do everything to honor him. But the eye of envy made David an enemy instead of uh, someone that was actually instead of realizing that he was someone that was actually for him. The Bible said this that Saul began to throw javelins at David, literally, spears. David, you know, entered into the ducking ministry. Every time you turned around, he was trying to duck and hide. I told the last service, I said, I, I don't know if I would have been that spiritual. You know, some people say he was ducking because every time he ducked, you got to get down on your knees. Uh, he had one time to throw a spear at me. <laughs> one time. One time. No, I, yeah. I was like, you're not going to throw, throw no spears at me. You got one more time to act crazy all you Did you not forget? I just took down Goliath. You know, I, I just got down. Don't forget. Don't forget who I am. You're not going to throw, me. come on somebody, I, I know all of y'all are nice, you to went in the corner and start playing in tongues and doing all that stuff. No, we would have got down, I'm talking about knuckle up, knuck if you buck, you know what I mean I'm telling you, we would have went down. You're not going to throw no spears at me, lost your mind after all I done did for you. you crazy, I'm messing with the wrong one. Let me pull it back in. I'm already feeling some type of way up here. I'm just trying to... (laughs) Jeez. But the Bible said... (laughs) I felt my my traps come up. I don't know. I don't know. Calm down. Just a sermon. (laughs) But um, the Bible said that that this, this was the madness that David was in. And, and, and it got crazy, and he said, you know what, I can't take this madness anymore. And the Bible said that he fleed from Saul. Now, as he fleed from Saul, the Scripture said that he went over to the next city where, the king, where king Achash was in the city of Gath. Now, Gath is where, where, is where Goliath was from. Gath is where the Philistines were. Now, now, he runs from the children of Israel, and then he goes over to the Philistines. Wait a minute! He goes to where the enemy is. He goes to where the into the enemy's camp. He's looking to find consolation with his enemy. He got one enemy, saw The other enemies, the Philistines. But this is where he flees to. And imagine if you look initially, the soldiers there, the Philistines probably thought, "Well, you know what, man, we might can use him for real, though. We know he can fight. We do have a common enemy." He hates Saul. I hate Saul. Or, or, or he's running from Saul. We're running from Saul. Come in. Maybe we can team up together. But it was something about the king that says, mm, "No, that dude whipped us in a bad way. There's no way I'm teaming up with him." And David out of fear. Let me just throw this point into you, this point to you. Notice that out of fear. And notice what David did. He, he when he ran from Saul, he ran to the enemy. I want to challenge you on something this morning. Beware of the choices you make in the midst of hardship and struggle. Sometimes what the enemy will do in the hardest times, when you're going through tough times, you're going through hardships and you're going through struggles and adversity. And especially those that may not have been serving God for a long time. The one thing that he'll whisper to you, he'll have you whisper and say, you know what? When you was in the world, it wasn't this hard. You know what, before you got saved, life was easy, it was good. Before you start doing that church stuff and that worship stuff and serving at the church, you always had money. How is it now that you're serving God and you're broke? How is it now that, that you're reading the Bible, but, but yet yet everything around you is seemingly falling apart? You know what, it's just best if you go back to what you used to do. It was better then. It was better. You didn't have all this opposition. You didn't have all of this worry. And I, I can, really, uh, 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 can, can really associate with that because I'll never forget that when God delivered me and set me free from all of my stuff, I'll never forget it happened on Sunday. And then the next day I walked into my job after being there for years, a faithful employee and everything. I got a slip that says you, you will no longer be needy, needed. We're downsizing your department. You got to go what and that began a spiral downward spiral financial for me and down 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 it seemed like either from that point i just begin to lose this and lose that and lose this and lose that down to nothing and the enemy would whisper, oh, "Did you make the right decision? Did you make the right choice? Did, 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 is God really for you? Because how is it that you can be saved and you're in the predicament that you're in right now?" I want to tell somebody this morning that that is a lying voice of the enemy. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Any voice that tells you that your life is better in Egypt is a lying voice. I want to declare. That that your worst day with God will always be your greatest, greater day than your best day with the devil. I'm here to declare this morning, you gotta remember, even if I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, he is still with me. And what you're going through right now, it is not the end of your story. It is temporary. There's another chapter to your life. There's more to your story. God is not done with you yet. Don't you Throwing the towel don't you quit don't you give up God is for you God is with you and God will never leave you nor forsake you greater days lie ahead in Jesus name you're going to come out you're going to come through and you're going to come over and you're going to look back and say now I know it was all working for my good if you believe in that kind of God give him praise this morning scripture said that 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 ate cash and said this joker has got to go and the bible said david began to act mad and crazy and spittle and foaming at the mouth and doing crazy stuff because fear will always make you do foolish things fear will always cause you to make decisions that you wish you never, never made but remember god has not given you a spirit of fear but of love power and of a sound mind and so david watch this he he goes from the madness of saul To the madness of King Akash and Gath. And then the Bible said he finds himself in the cave of Adullam. And the cave of Adullam. Adullam means refuge, the scripture said. In other words, David said, finally, I got a place of rest. Finally, I've got a little break. Finally, I've got a little consolation. And just as he began to recline in his lazy boy, prop his feet up, lay back, grab the remote, turn on the TV. To watch something, I don't know what. In... The Bible said there came in his brothers and 400 other men that had a bad case of 3Ds. They were in debt. They were distressed and discontented. Could you imagine what David felt like in that moment? Wait a minute. The one moment I think I'm going to get a break. But look at all this madness that's coming in here. I've got issues and I've got struggles and I need a breakthrough and I need a miracle and I need God to move. What do you mean pray for you? Can you pray for me? Pray for all 400 of y'all? What about me? What about my problems? What about my issue? What about my madness? He's in a cave of madness now. All this madness surrounding him. He's gone from... Madness to madness to madness. But I don't know there was something that our text shows us that shifted in this cave though. Somewhere David mustered up within the strength to say, you know what? I might be in a cave, but it doesn't mean I have to cave in. I might be in a low place, but I don't have to stay down. It was in this place that Psalms 34, that David somewhere found a piece of cloth or parchment and began to pick up the papers and say, you know what? I've been dealing with madness long enough. I may can't change madness around me, but I'm going to have to do about something about this madness that's trying to get in me. And it was there that he began to pin the words, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. I will, come on, my soul shall make his boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Right in the middle of his madness, right in the middle of his chaos, right in the middle of his confusion, David said I am going to praise God. I am going to glorify yeah. <laughs> God, I can sit here and have a pity party and nothing is going to change. I can sit here and complain about how bad things are and nothing is going to change. I can get mad and get offended and get upset and go somewhere and pout and stick my tongue out and just be all messed up and jacked up. But no, what I'm going to do is turn this cave into a cathedral and begin to praise my God and declare that he is good and his mercy endureth forever do I have anybody that can throw up a little cave praise real quick and I'll begin to move on Mm. the Bible said David said watch this he said I will bless the Lord you have to make a conscious decision David could have said I won't but David said no 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 I will his flesh was saying I won't but his spirit was saying I will He made a conscious decision. Nobody couldn't do that for him. He had to decide for himself. Nobody can praise God for you. You got to praise God for yourself. You have to make a decision. I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to open up my mouth. And he said, I will bless the Lord. That word bless actually means eulogy in its original language. And it means to speak well, of. And what he's saying is, I will speak well, of the Lord at all times. No matter what I'm going to through. I'm going to speak well of my Lord. I'm going to speak good of my God. I'm going to declare the faithfulness of my father. He said it doesn't matter what side of the situation that I'm on. I am going to stay consistent and speaking well of my God. I got money. Bless God. I don't have money. Praise God. I might be up. Bless God. I might be down. Bless God. I might be in. Bless God. I might be out. Bless God. I have a job. Bless God. I don't have a job. Bless God. I might be feeling sick. Bless God. But now I'm well. Bless God. My children are saved. Bless God. My children are working on their testimony. Bless God. No matter what, I'm going to always speak well of my God. He is good. He is faithful he is loving he is kind he is for me he is with me he'll never leave me the lord is on my side whom shall i fear what can man do unto me i'm gonna speak well of my god you can talk about how bad it is all you want to but my god is good i need some good praise to go up to a good god speak well of your god We got more well connected to what's wrong than more well connected to who's right. Well, it's this. Well, it's that. Well, 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 well. Well, God is good. Well, God is for me. Well, God is strong. Come on, somebody redirect your whales this morning. Hallelujah. You need to redirect your whales. Get your whales off the wrong and what's wrong and get your whale on who's right. The Bible said this. I will bless the Lord at all times. And then he gives us this three quick things. I'm going to give it to you really quick. Three things. You ready? He said, if you're going to magnify in the midst of madness. He said, it's important that you, you understand frequency, you understand focus, and you understand fellowship. Are you ready? The first one is frequency. What do you mean? Notice the text said, I will bless the Lord. Sometimes, I will bless the Lord. Every now and then, I might bless the Lord. I will bless him when I feel like it. I will bless him when things are good. No, 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 no. Look at the frequency. I will bless The Lord at all times, his praise shall continue to be in my mouth. In other words, my praise will never be contingent. My praise will always be continual. My praise is not circumstantial. My praise is uh, continual. In other words, I will be a perpetual praiser that praise will continue as we sing to be upon my lips and I will give you praise I will sing hallelujah to the Lord he said your praise has to be continual in other words there's times listen there's times I don't feel like praising God can I just be honest there's times I just don't feel like it I just don't feel like it well that's what I love the scripture because the Bible said I knew you would never feel like it but that's why I call it the sacrifice of praise because sometimes it's going to take a sacrifice to lift your hands. Sometimes it's going to take a sacrifice to drag yourself to church when you don't feel like going to church and everything around you says stay at home, stay in the bed, cover up, just call this one out, stream the service. No, no, no. That's the day that you got to get up and say, no, no, no. I am going to bless God today. I'm going to praise him today. I'm going to glorify him today (laughs) continual and when you talk about continual praise it means that I don't need a band to praise him I'm sorry I love all that and that's great I don't need lyrics on the wall to praise him I don't have to wait till I get to free chapel to praise him as much as I love this place but see David said this I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. See David got glad and start praising just at the mention of the house of the Lord. He didn't say I'm going to get glad and start praising when I get there. He says I'm glad now and I'm going to start praising before I get there. What would happen if we would have that mindset that I'm not waiting on the worship leader I am the worship leader. What if we had the mindset that when we sit on a row we look down before service starts, and we go ahead and declare, everything on my row is going to line up to the kingdom. Everything on my row is going to fall subject to the word of God. I don't know who's sitting on my row that don't want to praise, but I'm going to be the worship leader for my row. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to praise my God. I'm going to hallelujah. I'm going to thank you, Jesus, and I'm going to go ahead and declare, God, when you see my praise, bless their life. When you see my praise, work in their situation. When you see my praise touch their body come on I believe in a God that says I'll move when people praise me he said your praise shall continue to be in my mouth he didn't say in your heart he said when I said praise me I didn't say think a praise say a praise well you know that vocal stuff It's just not my personality. It can be a little fanaticism. It's just not my personality. I love you. But you're going to have to get over your personality. Because I'm going to tell you why. His presence is more a necessity in your life than your personality. Come on, praise has nothing to do with your personality. It has everything to do with our God and his presence. That's why the Bible said let everything, everything, if you are a thing, a thing, a thing, a human being, a thing, let everything that has breath praise ye the lord so you know what that means if you are alive in this service this morning if you are sitting on a seat at the 11:30 service at free chapel and you are inhaling and exhaling this morning that you are not exempt. You don't have a doctor's excuse. You don't have a written notice. You don't have some kind of thing that gives you a pass to say you can't praise if you are alive. You need to be praising God this morning. At some point you need to lift your voice and say God I love you. God I praise you. God I thank you. Some of us have got too pretty to praise. We've got too sophisticated to praise when you didn't have nothing and you walked in these doors broke we couldn't keep you out of the altar but now you got a little money you want to sit on God no 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 praise him now that you got more praise him now that you're blessed praise him now that he brought you through come on let's stir up some praise this morning to our God he's worthy of it continual praise He said, sit down, calm down, calm down. He said, number two, he said, you got to don't forget the focus. Say focus. Notice what he said. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Wait a minute. David said, I'm going to magnify the Lord. Well, magnify, if you look it up by definition, It says this. Listen to what what the word magnify. To increase the apparent size of. As a lens does. To make greater in actual size. Enlarge or cause to seem greater. It literally means. Watch this. To make great. And then to make great in the view of the mind. Or to regard and treat as great. Well how do we make God. How do you magnify God. Whom the Bible says the heavens cannot contain him. How do you make God bigger? Whom the Bible says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and all that dwelleth therein. How do you make God bigger or greater when the scripture teaches us that he spans the universe in the palm of his hand? How do you make a God That's so awesome and mighty and wonderful that we we, we try our best to describe him with three words. When we say he's omnipotent, meaning he's all power, powerful. When we say he's omniscient, that means he's all knowing. And when we say he's omnipresent, it means he's all present. He's everywhere. How do I make him bigger? Because if I can make him bigger, it would suggest that he could be altered. And if he could be altered, that means he would cease to be perfect. And if he ceases to be perfect, that means he would cease to be God. Because God is perfect. But the scripture said that I am the Lord thy God, I change not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. So how do I make him bigger? How do I magnify him? Glad you ask. With a simple little illustration to help you understand. Here's this little black cap. This cap is the size that it is. And it will remain this size. You see it? When I put this down, I see how big it is or how small it is. But when I take a magnifying glass and put it over the top of that cap, it this magnifying glass does not change the size of the cap actually but when i look at it through the lens it doesn't change its size but it does change its size to me in other words i don't make it bigger i just see it bigger I, When I look at it without magnifying, it seems small, it seems insignificant, it seems not enough. But when I begin to magnify it, what seems to be minimal becomes mighty. What seems like little becomes big. And not that I change its size, but now I am seeing it bigger. And so when David said magnify the Lord, what he was saying to you and I, that we have to learn to see God bigger. And the problem with a lot of us, we see God too small. Too small to deal with your marital issues. Too small to deal with your children issues. Too small to deal with your financial financial issues. Too small to deal with things that are going on in your life. Too small to deal with the insecurities and the hurts and the pains and the wounds. Too small to deal with my past. And you don't know what I came from. And you don't know what I've been caught up in. You don't know what I've been doing. Matter of fact, you don't even know where I was last night. If you knew where I was was last night, it would blow your mind. And so we see God too small. But I come to declare this morning, that's what's wrong. See, two words are are big in our society. Watch this, downsizing and upsizing. Businesses downsize for various reasons. People downsize in their home for various reasons. But notice when it comes to upsizing, the first thing that comes to my mind is food. You will upsize a Coke in a minute. You will upsize that waffle fry at Chick fil A in a minute. Oh, come on, don't act brand new. Can I get it bigger? Can I get it larger? Come on, I am sick of us upsizing all the things of the world. But when it comes to our God, we are downsizing him, putting limits on him, minimizing him. But I come to declare it's time to get our God out of the box and walk in the revelation that with man it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible you've gotta see him big. He's bigger than your hardship. He's bigger than your struggle. He's bigger than the dysfunction in your marriage. He's bigger than addiction. He's bigger than drugs. He's bigger than alcohol. He's bigger than pornography. He's bigger than abuse. He's bigger than hurt. He's bigger than pain. He's bigger than depression. He's bigger than anxiety. He's bigger than worry. He's bigger than fear. He's bigger than poverty. He's bigger than guilt. He's bigger than shame. He's bigger than condemnation. He's bigger than emptiness. He's bigger. He's bigger. He's bigger. He is a big God that wants to do big things for his great people. If you believe in a big God, give him praise. Oh, oh, magnify the Lord. Oh, can you see him bigger? I don't know what you're going through, but can you see him bigger? Sometimes we focus more on what's wrong. I'm guilty of it. I call it fatal focus. Of all the things that Eve could have been looking at and focusing on, why that one tree? Why the one thing that was wrong? God gave her a big, luscious, her and Adam. Let me throw that in, women. Let me balance it out. I felt something. jeez but out of all the there was so much good and so much greater there was there's just one thing that was off but she they became so fixated on what was wrong they began to lose sight of what was going on good and if you're not careful you have fatal focus you come so occupied and so focused and on what's wrong and what's not. I'm not saying just live loose and don't pay attention to things in life. That's not what I'm saying. But you can't be consumed with your problems. When you magnify him, you see his promises bigger than problems. When you magnify him, you, you magnify him, you minimize the devil when you magnify him. Come on, somebody. You know, watch this, that your your harvest is bigger than your hardship. That's a word from somebody. Somebody's in a hardship right now and you've been focusing on how hard it is. But the word of the Lord, your harvest is bigger than your hardship, but you got to turn your attention to to the Lord of the harvest. Hallelujah. And magnify him. And that's what God had to do to Job. He said, I know you're in the middle of madness, You've lost all kind of stuff, children, your wealth, your health. And Job, I think his focus start turning a little bit. And God, I love how God did it. Look what God did when it came to Job's focus. He started asking them questions. Notice we he said. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measure? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fasted? Or who laid its cornerstone? Where the morning stars sang together. And all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who, shout, who shut the sea with. Oh God. Shut the sea with doors. When it burst forth and issued from the womb. When I made the clouds its garment and the thick darkness its swaddling band, When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors. When I said, this far you may come, but no farther. And here the proud ways must stop. He's going through, and that's just a portion of them. There was a whole chapter of questions that God began to ask Job. And the whole purpose of him doing that was to get him to refocus. He was saying, don't you forget who I am just because things have not happened on your timetable just because things have not happened the way you think they should happen and how they should happen and when they should happen don't mean that it's not going to happen remember i am god and i am in control come on somebody somebody need to hear that i'm in control but don't you forget I laid the foundations of the earth. Don't you forget all powers in my hand. Don't you forget the enemy can only do what I allow him to do. And he said you have to refocus and begin to magnify. That's why it's important that you don't lose a heart of gratitude. Let me give you some quick scripture and I'm going to end. Psalm 69 says this. Magnify him with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving should not be a day in November. Thanksgiving should be a lifestyle that we live. The Bible said in Acts chapter 10, 46, when they heard heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, I pray in the Spirit, it magnifies God in me. Jude said, build yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Watch this. Psalms 138.2 says you have magnified your word above all your name. The text becomes his telescope. When you begin to get in the word it shows you how God was greater in the lives of so many people and, and, and when the odds were stacked against God's people and when it seemed like they weren't going to make it out and it seemed like they were going to be overwhelmed, you read story after story of God's redemptive power, restoration power, healing power, miracle working power. He said, if you don't get in this word, you neglect this word, you will always see God's mom. this is what helps refocus you because see a lot of times when things get out of focus they need a specialist to realign them the Holy Spirit is the specialist and when you get in the Word he starts realigning your focus he starts reminding you your God's greater than that your God's bigger than that your God's mightier than that but you got to learn to quit glorifying your problems and start magnifying your God. And you gotta see him bigger. Come on, somebody. And last but not least, I'm ending right here. Notice he he said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. The last point is fellowship. There's a power in corporate praise. David was praising by himself but could it be that he turned to the 400 and his brothers and he says look I'm not going to do this by myself and he looks over and he said hey oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together it's the principle of the power of our unity that when we come together and, and we have praise partnership have a praise partner Yes, you can praise God all by yourself. But I believe that there's power in our agreement and power in our unity. Where two or three gathered in His name, there He is. One can set a thousand at flight, two, ten thousand. See, that's what happened with Paul and Silas at midnight. They began to magnify at midnight. They were praise partners in a prison. Woo. And they didn't let the madness shut down their praise. We've been beat, we've been whipped, and we're locked up. They may have locked up. Watch this. They, see, where well, they messed up, they locked their hands and feet, but they didn't cover their mouths. Oh, my God. What they should have did was put something over their mouths. But the fact that they did not cover their mouths, they let those praise partners begin to offer up hymns and praises and songs to the Lord. And when they got in praise partnership, the Bible said there came an earthquake that shook the whole prison, that their doors came open and the prisoners too. Wonder what would happen? Could it be that God says "I'm waiting on a church to get so unified in praise? that if they'll start praising. I'll start opening the doors in the worship set. I'll start unlocking I'll start breaking chains in worship I'll start opening up prison doors in worship. I'll start setting captives free in worship people start getting up out of wheelchairs in worship. People start touching their body in in worship and say where did the tomb go? Where did the lump go? Oh you don't believe this stuff. I believe this stuff because God said there's a place that my glory can come down to praises and when I the house my power comes my miracles come my breakthroughs come my healing comes my provision comes and guess what when he comes the devil has to go when he comes demons have to flee when he comes joy comes back peace comes back comfort comes back sickness has to go don't ever underestimate stand to your feet the power of praise and worship don't treat these times casual and some of you are struggling with what i'm saying right now because you don't get here till the preacher gets up to preach i love you but man you're missing it this is listen listen can I dare to say that the praise might be more important than the preaching at times the Bible says shoot a praise plows praise actually prepares you for the word and you wonder why the word ain't taking no root bouncing off your life hadn't been plowed through praise get in here before the worship starts get in here and get ready to praise God I'm not asking you to do it for me or Pastor Ben or the church. Do it for your God. That's who you're doing it for. It ain't for us. It's for God. Is he worthy for you to be here and worship and praise? Has he been good to you? Has he been faithful to you? He's worthy of it. Come on, do it right now. Let's offer up some praise to him. Come on, magnify the Lord with me. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.